0: victory. How are y'all? Welcome today. It's fun PM, right? I was about to say good morning, but no more. But hey, I'm so excited to be here with you guys. We've had two amazing services leading up to now, but I know God has more to pour out this morning. So I'm glad you're here. You know, I don't know if you've thought about this yet, but next Sunday is Daylight Savings time. So we gain an hour of sleep. Come on, extra sleep. So don't forget next Saturday to set your clocks back But even if you forget, we've got you covered because you'll just show up early. And we pray here, and we drink coffee here, and we fellowship. And so you will be more than welcome to come join us. We do. We pray in this room every Sunday morning before services start. So don't forget. Thank you, Lord, for the extra hour as we get into the holiday season, right? Awesome. Well listen, again, my name is Lisa, my husband is Chris, and we are very honored to serve here at Hamilton Mill as the campus pastors. And we haven't been here that long, but we feel right at home and are just overjoyed. You know, I wasn't born in Texas, but I got there as fast as I could. Come on now, is anybody in here from Texas? Let me hear you, I'm not alone, right? Where are my Texas people? Okay, so I grew up in Texas. I consider myself a Texan, right? Because you just do that when you live in Texas. Um, But I grew up in West Texas. Has anyone ever heard of Friday Night Lights? That's how I grew up. We're talking about tumbleweeds, for real. Dust storms, very real. Brown dirt, blue sky, and those black pump jacks pulling that oil out of the ground. That was just how I grew up out in West Texas. But everything is bigger in Texas. And you know it to be true. And I just want to tell y'all, just want to give a little disclaimer that I'm wearing some really fabulous earrings. They're kinda big, right? But I did not forget to put this one on. After first service, I was informed by production that my earring was clanging against the microphone. I'm so sorry, but I like big earrings. So I had to take it off. So if you see that I'm missing one, it was not on purpose, but I was asked to do that. So everything is bigger in Texas. But I married a southern gentleman, right? Come on, southern gentleman. And he brought me to the south, and oh, I have fallen in love with that southern hospitality. It blends well with my Texas roots, and I love to call myself now that I'm a southern belle with a Texas twist. So come to my house, and maybe we'll have mashed potatoes and gravy, but we are definitely going to have chips and salsa. No doubt, no question. It is a staple in my house. So I just wanted to tell you a little bit about me. So here we are in our new series, Running in Circles. Say, Running in Circles. Say it faster, Running in Circles. Does it make you feel tired or like you need to catch your breath? It does for me. Even watching that trailer, I just kind of get dizzy. I'm like, ugh. But here we are. And last week, if you missed it, you need to go back and watch it. Because Pastor Johnson unpacked some amazing things as he launched us into this series about the cycles that we have in our life. And he unpacked the story of the woman at the well. That's why we have a well on stage. A woman at the well. And this woman would come to the well every day to fill her bucket with water. But she didn't come at the same time that most of the other women came to do the same thing. They would come probably more in the cool of the day. But she would come in the heat of the day around noon and she would come alone. And she came alone on purpose. Because don't we know that whatever is going on on the inside of us often plays out on the outside of us. And this woman, she had had five husbands. And she was with another man that wasn't even her husband. She was in a cycle of failed relationships that were not filling her need, but it was modeling after her going to the well every day to fill up water. And day in and day out, she came, excuse me, and she would fill her bucket with water. And it was like her cycle of trying to fill that empty void with relationships. And every day she would leave with a bucket full of water, but every day she would leave more and more empty hearted. She was empty hearted. And she had gotten herself into a very dysfunctional cycle of looking to relationships to quench a thirst within her. She was looking to fill a need. She was soul thirsty. Soul thirsty. Let's make a side note. You know, thirst is human, right? We get thirsty, and I'm going to take a drink right now as I break this water bottle open because... When we get thirsty, okay, when we get thirsty, it's a sign that we need a drink, right? We need a drink of water. We might even get a headache. We might even feel faintish, and we could even get dehydrated. That's physical thirst. But what about soul thirst? What can fill that thirst that we feel inside? Pastor Jip Judd says it this way. Thirst is the pain or discomfort of an unmet need. It's an unmet need. It's a soul thirst on the inside, is what he's talking about. And last week, Pastor Johnson reminded us that there are four main basic needs that each of us have in life those are acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. We all carry it the need for acceptance, identity, security, and purpose. And I like to think of it that God created us with this empty place for those four things so that he could fill it, so that we would need him. Where we get into trouble is when we try to fill it in an illegitimate way. It's a real thirst. It's God-designed. It's not wrong to have a soul thirst. It's God-designed, but he wants Him and His living water to fill that empty place on the inside. And so it's how we go about it that makes us or breaks us. So back to the woman at the well. Let's finish the story. Guess what? Jesus comes on the scene. Aren't you glad when Jesus comes on the scene? Because when He comes on the scene, He changes everything. He interrupts time. And he interrupts whatever is happening and he breaks in and he begins to change things. Aren't you thankful that he comes on the scene? Yes. So we see him come to the well and he did it on purpose. Just like she goes on purpose to be alone, he came on purpose to meet with her. So he could have geographically, in that day and time, he should have gone around Samaria to get where he was going. But he told his disciples, I'm going into Samaria. And it was to go talk to her. It was on purpose to sit with her, to take time with her. He was not in a hurry. He wanted to sit and talk with her. And in fact, the Bible This is the longest recorded conversation that Jesus has with another human being in the Bible. And it's documented for us that he sat and took time with her. He was not intimidated by her mess. He was not threatened by the fact that she had had five husbands and that she was in this destructive cycle. He was not afraid to sit down and intersect her life. He had a plan, he always does, but he had a plan to reveal her pain so he could heal her pain. Because Jesus comes to reveal so that he can heal. And so I like to look at it as like a divine intervention, a moment in time when he intersected her world and he interrupted her pattern and said, wait a minute, I can help you. Look at me, I can help you. I can give you a different way of life. This loneliness you feel, that soul thirst, I can feel it for you. Read with me in John 4, in the New Living Translation, Jesus replied, he was there before her, if you only knew the gift that God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water, amen? So get ready, we're gonna dive a little bit deeper into circles today. And the title of the message is this. Do you wanna be healed? And it has a question mark on the end. Do you wanna be healed? That's where we're going today. Let's say a quick prayer. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the stories you you show us that will help us see into our own life. And we want to open our spiritual ears right now. We wanna open our heart right now And spend some time with you this morning so you can show us, you can love on us, and you can even reveal things in us that you want to heal. So we just quiet our hearts, we put our thoughts, our natural thoughts to the side, and we lean in to what you want to say this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so I'm going to say the word and I'm going to get a reaction. Dr. Pimple Popper. Okay, so you either love it or you hate it, but you've at least, you at least know what I'm talking about. If you hate it and you're grossed out, you can just kind of do this for me. Oh, okay, he's got the big arms flying. Okay, if you kind of enjoy it and it's gross, but you enjoy it and you might even binge it, just kind of wave your arms at me like you just don't care. Come on, Allison, my daughter and I, we, we binge on this thing and it's this weird kind of like satisfaction of seeing these people deal with these things, right? And we just keep watching, It's gross, I know, but it's real. So the premise of the show centers around a dermatologist out in California, Dr. Sandra Lee. And people end up in her practice when they have like a skin condition or uh, something going on that's spreading or growing or multiplying or whatever. But more often than not, they end up in her office with some sort of lesion or growth but it's not supposed to be there right it's not supposed to be there you know and it could be anywhere it could be on their leg or their foot their arm their head even their face and if you've seen it you know what i'm talking about and as a viewer i sit on my couch and i'm like are you kidding me how long why have you waited to go to the doctor. How have you endured this for this long? And she'll ask them, so how long have you had this growth on the top of your head? That's like, you know, this big, right? And they may say, I don't know, five years, 10 years, 20 years, or I've had it for as long as I can remember, it's just become a part of me. Yeah. But can we see that in our own lives? That sometimes we develop some things that after a while, we just kind of ignore it, it becomes part of us, but to everyone else, they're like, what in the world? What in the world, right? How did you let it get this bad? Why did you wait so long? Why do we wait so long? There are things, all of us, myself included, that we have that we may not wanna pay attention to, but we just wait to deal with it. We wait to face it. I think there's several reasons that we kind of put it off. One, in the beginning, we may think, oh, I don't know what that is, but I'll just kind of keep my eye on it, right? And then maybe it moves to five of the most dangerous words to the medical community. Maybe it will go away. Have you ever thought that about an issue in your life? Maybe it'll just go away. But we need to know that anything left to itself will never get better. It usually gets worse and harder to deal with. Then we become embarrassed. Maybe it's getting so big that we have to like change our hairstyle or wear a hat all the time or I don't know, do something to kind of hide it. It becomes embarrassing, even though I still have to put up with it. Then we become afraid What if, like, what is this? What if this is something really bad? And I'm a little bit afraid now, like, oh my gosh. And then we kind of get paralyzed by fear and the what ifs. And then it's like, I'm stuck. I'm trapped and I can't get out without help. I need help. I need a professional to help me deal with this. So let's give these people the benefit of the doubt. This is not something that they asked for. This was just something that started to grow, right? It was kind of handed to them, like, here, this is what you're dealing with now. Didn't ask for it, didn't really want it, wouldn't have chosen it, but here, hold this card in your hand. This is what you get to deal with now. So we're forced to deal with it, we're forced to carry it and maybe we're paralyzed by fear, we don't know what to do about it, it's getting worse, but what actually happens is that we get used to it. We get numb to it, we know it's there, but we kind of forget and we just, we just kind of put up with it, right? We find illegitimate ways to comfort legitimate struggles and thus we create toxic cycles. Ignoring something doesn't make it go away. Ignoring something creates a cycle in our life that allows something to grow under the surface, right? Let's look at a man in the Bible that was handed something that he didn't ask for, but he was left to deal with. It's found in John chapter five. Now there is in Jerusalem a pool called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades And in these lay a multitude of invalids. Multitude is a big number. I don't know what the number is, but multitude is like more than two or three, okay? A multitude of invalids. They were blind, lame, and paralyzed. Those are needy people. They need help every day. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. Y'all, that's a long time. 38 years he was lame. Jesus comes on the scene, right? He saw him lying there and knew that he had been there a long time, so he said to him, do you want to be healed? Question mark. Do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred up and while I'm trying to go, another one steps down before me. This pool at Bethesda was said to have like bubbling waters of healing and like if people got into the water while it was bubbling, their sicknesses might be healed. And so he was there waiting for the water to bubble up and every time it did, people would rush past him because I'm sure he could only get around by dragging himself by the elbows and every man was there for himself, right? I'm getting in the water. Let me, I'm, move out of my way. He'd been laying there for 38 years. (laughs) We know that he was lame. We don't know how he became lame. And we're sure he didn't ask for it. But there he is, dealing with it for that long. He had probably become accustomed to the fact that he was lame. I mean, I don't know how old he was when it happened or if he was literally born that way. But I'm sure there were thoughts wish I could walk, I wish I could run, I wish I could do things for myself, and maybe he would wave a banner of hope and hope that maybe he will get well, or maybe he would get into the bubbling waters. But really, after a while, we just kind of get used to what's happening to us, right? We become accustomed to it. We say, this must be my lot in life. This must be what it's going to be. And I'm sure that he would look at his legs in disgust and think, they're so shriveled, they're so atrophied, they're useless. And it just is what it is. But Jesus comes on the scene again. Amen? When Jesus comes on the scene, everything begins to change. And you know, Jesus could have just walked up to him and said, Take your mat, get up, you're healed. And in fact, I'm not even sure I've finished the scripture. He was saying, everyone else gets in before me. And in verse 8, Jesus said, get up, take up your bed, and walk. And at once the man was healed. So when Jesus came on the scene, he didn't just walk up and heal him. He could have. But instead, he intersected this man's daily cycle of laying by the pool, hoping today is the day. Probably not going to happen. He intersected it and he didn't assume. Because see, when we get used to things, sometimes it's just easier to stay the same than it is to change. Sometimes it's easier just to carry the weight of it instead of face it. So he went and he asked him a question. Do you want to be healed? He was saying, do you know what I can do for you? Are you willing to take a chance and say yes? Are you willing to imagine your life differently than it has been all of this time? Because I can help you. And I'm sure that through time, this man had, would stir up maybe a little bit of hope. Maybe I'll get in the bubbling water today. And he would, on the inside of him, cry out, or even to the people around him, please someone help me get in the water. You know, sometimes we can cry out or cry about something for so long that we can't cry anymore. And those cries, they go silent on the inside of us. And it just, we just kind of carry on. But Jesus is there and he's looking at him and he's recognizing the cycle of hopelessness, right? But he asked a question, he did not assume. He said, Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? See, we must want it and be willing to give God our yes. We can't be healed from something that we are willing to tolerate. Think about that, and I'll say it again. We can't be healed from something that we're willing to tolerate. That's why Jesus comes to us and he interrupts our cycle and he intervenes into our everyday life and he asks us a question. It's basically a a question of are you ready to confront this thing? Because I can fix it for you. But are you willing to break out of your cycle? Let's do this, let's do this. We can't be healed from something we're willing to tolerate. So Jesus is saying, look at me, I have a different way. I'm standing in front of you like he said to the woman. And I have a gift I can give you that will break this cycle of hopelessness and despondency and feeling useless. And I can get in there and I can fix it. So do we want to be healed today? He's asking us today, do you want to be healed So let's look at Dr. Pimple Popper again. The reason we see these people on TV, the reason they made it into the limelight, right, is because they finally reached a point, I cannot do this anymore. I'm going to get over my fear and I'm just going to go because I cannot live like this anymore. I'm done. They had to reach a point where their disgust and finality trumped their tolerating it. They had to like wake up and say, I I can't do this anymore, anymore. They're basically saying, I I want to be healed. I'm ready to face maybe feeling embarrassed of having to tell my story and answer questions so that I can get to the surgery table and that I can get help because I can't help myself. It's past the point of no return. I can't do it myself. So, we must come to the point where our desire to be healed becomes greater than the pain of staying sick. We have to come to the point where our desire to be healed becomes greater than the pain of staying sick. So, what about you? Have you ever been handed something that you didn't ask for? You didn't want, you wouldn't have picked it. But something happens. And you're handed this thing or this card to hold in in the deck. And it just ruins everything. There it is. And there's no way around it. It happened to me. So you remember COVID, right? (laughs) Back in 2020, so long ago, right? You know, in March, the world began to shut down. And like dominoes, everything just went into a frozen state, really. It was frightening. If you remember, if you really remember those early days, it was frightening because everything just went and everybody was sent into quarantine, right? We were between ministry assignments. And so we were kind of huddled down and kind of stuck in a way, weren't at this job and couldn't get hired anywhere else because it was COVID. And one day my phone rang This was April, and it was a call that would completely alter my life forever. Wouldn't choose the call, didn't want the call, but I got the call. It was my sister, and when I answered the phone, I was actually laughing because that's what you do when your sister calls. You just start laughing because you don't know what they're going to say. It's always something funny. And I could tell by her breathing that something was wrong. And you you know that feeling when your heart just drops down into your stomach, and you feel like you're gonna pass out, and she hadn't said a word. And then through heaves and sobs, I kept saying, what, what, what? She said, dad died. I, if you've ever received a call like that, or maybe some other very difficult news, it knocks the wind out of you. I, I couldn't, I don't remember if I was standing or sitting or walking, but I, I wanted to cry and felt like I couldn't cry. And I wanted to scream, but I felt like I couldn't scream. And so I was doing all of it, and I was just in this immediate tailspin. I didn't know what was up and what was down and what day it was and what just happened. What are you talking about? And my dad, for really no reason, just passed away in his sleep. No explanation, no no goodbye, nothing like that. It was just, he was gone. It was sudden and it was shocking and I was mad. I was sad, but more than anything, I was mad. I felt robbed and like, I just couldn't believe that this is how his life was going to end. I just couldn't believe it, but guess what I was doing? after that call and after my sister and I going and taking care of his apartment and doing all the things that you have to do that are so terrible, so unfair. I came back to Alabama. We basically got hired at Victory. We're looking for houses. We're getting our kids established. We're plugging into our new jobs and loving it. And in those months and over the last year and a half, I started a cycle. I didn't really realize consciously, but I started a cycle. Every time a feeling would bubble up, or I would see a picture, or a little memory would run across my mind, I'd be like, nope, nope, not right now, not today. I'm too busy. I I cannot do that today. I can't go there today. I'm gonna do that later. And I started to delay my grief by getting really busy, and I got really good at being really busy. And I'm telling you, every time it came up, I was like, "Nope, I can't do that. I, I can't think about that right now. And I would just, I thought I was pushing it to the side. I really thought that there was this magical time down the road that was being reserved for me to actually sit down and face this thing. I wasn't really setting it to the side. I felt like I was. I was actually shoving it down, 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 down not good. So I created a very unhealthy, toxic cycle of just staying busy and thinking, I'll do that later. I can't, I can't do that right now. I've got too much going on. I've got too many people depending on me. I can't think about it right now. Then I went to a funeral. <laughs> Actually, not too long ago. I went to a funeral. A friend of mine had lost his father. And let me tell you, the volcano started to come up. And I couldn't, I couldn't hide it. I couldn't stop it. I couldn't swallow it. I couldn't say, no, not right now. <laughs> it wasn't working. I kept having to get up and leave the room. I would go in the bathroom. And there was tears and snot and all sorts of stuff. I was heaving. I, I, it was coming out. And it was not pretty. And I could not get a hold of it. But Jesus had orchestrated the whole thing. He intersected my cycle at that funeral, and he started to show me my pain. He was like, there's a lot of pain there, and I want to reveal your pain so I can heal your pain. The only reason he reveals pain is to heal pain, okay? He reveals so we can be healed And I'll tell you, I'm not where I was, I'm not where I want to be, but it's like Pastor Johnson said, there are things that we deal with that we can't just come down at the end of the service and have it prayed off. It's not a one and done thing. There are some things that are instantaneous like that, but most things, Pastor Johnson said, are loved off over time. It takes time. And I'm in the process But I am so thankful that Jesus intersected my cycle. Because who knows? I mean, you can be busy forever. It's never ending. It's always something to do. But he intersected and he intervened and he made an intersection for me. And he basically confronted me with a question. Do you want to be healed? Do you see this pain in here? Let me heal it. I've got what it takes to fill the empty space. I was trying to meet a legitimate need with an illegitimate source. I was just staying busy, just staying busy. An unhealthy cycle is any pattern, any pattern that we use to find something we need, we're looking for something, or to avoid something we don't wanna feel, (laughs) we don't wanna experience. We get into a cycle. So, Pastor Johnson, he did some of the big ones. He painted a broad brush of some of the big ones. And that would be like, what are they? I wrote them down. There's like alcohol, drugs, pornography, major addictions. Those are some of the big, obvious cycles. But what about the subtle ones? There's ones that we carry in our lives that are not so obvious, but they can be a trap cycle just like the big ones. What about sabotage, quitting before I have a chance to fail? I'm going to quit before I fail so that I, I don't fail. I'm going to protect myself from that. The cycle of self-comfort. We can escape to technology. We can scroll. We can binge watch. We can video game. We can do all those things. What about retail therapy? Come on, Allison. Retail therapy. I just need to go out and I just need to buy something. And when I come home, I feel so good. That was therapy. That can become a cycle. Now, I, I like to shop, but it can become a cycle and it can become a problem and we're trying to fill a thirst in the wrong way. What about comfort food? Now, a balancing statement, we live in the South, comfort food is allowed and appreciated, but listen to the name, it's a comfort food. Come on, chicken fried steak, mashed potatoes and gravy. Yeah. Comfort food can, can lead us to a trap of a cycle, right? You can be overly responsible, it can look really positive. I'm overly responsible, I can, I can fix anything for anybody, I can pick up all the slack and spin all the plates. I'm overly responsible, you can trust me. That is also a cycle to defer something else. And what about comparison? It's ugly, gotta do better, be better, look better, sound better, be someone else. We could go on and on and on. But quickly, I wanna tell you that there are three things that unhealthy cycles and unhealthy patterns create in our life. For one, it creates more thirst. More thirst. See, we, we try these cycles and we try to fill something with an illegitimate, illegitimate need and it only makes us more thirsty. It doesn't do what you think it's gonna do. It just makes us more in pain and more trapped. It leaves us thirstier than before. But using illegitimate water is a sin. We're going to see that. Look at Jeremiah 2 with me. Verse 12 and 13 in the ESV. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked and be utterly desolate, declares the Lord. Okay, so he has our attention. My people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and they have hewed out cisterns for themselves, broken cisterns that can hold no water. So listen, we have forsaken the Lord, the source of living water, the source that can fill the soul thirst. We've also, we've created man-made cisterns. A cistern is different from a well. A well is dug deep enough to hit water so that there's a source of fresh water. That's why they have to lower the bucket down in there. A cistern is a man-made container or something that holds water, but water has to be brought in from somewhere else and added to the cistern because it's always running out and it's not fresh. So it's prone to bacteria and really gross stuff. And he said, you have made for yourselves broken cisterns that can't even hold water. That's an illegitimate way to fill a need, to fill a thirst, right? So we have to recognize that when we don't go to the living water source and we create our own little pail, broken pail of water, nasty water really, we have sinned against the Lord. But everything lives where the river flows. There is a river that flows from the throne of God. It's talked about in Revelation, it's beautiful. And anything, it even says in Psalm one, you'll be like a tree that's planted by the rivers of living water. And everything you do will prosper and your leaves will never wither. These are wonderful promises that if we go to the true source, we will not thirst. We will flourish. Our leaves won't wither and fall off. We'll produce fruit in every season. It's beautiful. Fresh water is a game changer. And Jesus is the living water. What a game changer, right? He keeps us continually hydrated. It reminds me of those soaker hoses that we lay in our garden beds that just slowly drip water, you know? Slowly drip water just to keep it hydrated. Read Isaiah 58 with me. It says this. This is a promise to us. The Lord will guide you continually, giving you water when you are dry and restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden an ever-flowing stream. When we plant ourselves by the source of living water and we go to him, we will be like an ever-flowing spring. That water will just continually begin to come out of us, splashing on everyone else, right? Okay, unhealthy pattern creates more thirst, it creates idols in my life, that's number two. Idols in my life. An idol is anyone or anything that I place on the throne of my heart above God. God belongs on the throne of our heart. And we all know that, but we allow other things to kinda creep up there and sit there instead. It could be a myriad of things. It can be any relationship we have, including our own children. Boy, we adore our kids, right? It's easy to allow them to be on the throne of our heart because we just cherish them so much and spending time with them can actually become an idol or watching them succeed in life, they accidentally get up there or a spouse or a dating relationship or a fiance or maybe a job or maybe even an aspiration for the future can rise to the top and sit on the throne and we're driven to that thing, that's an idol. A good way to check is where do the majority of my thoughts go and where do I spend the majority of my time, there's a chance There could be an idol in those two things. So we have to check what is on the throne of our heart. Unhealthy patterns create idolatry, and that is sin before the Lord. Let's say that again. We need to repent for cisterns and for idolatry. Number three, unhealthy patterns create more thirst, idols in my life, and lastly, walls of separation. Has anyone ever felt like they just have a wall around them? And like, I just don't feel God right now. I just, I just don't think he can hear me, and I can't hear him. And I just, it just feels like there's a wall. I know we've all felt that. I have. I just feel far from God. Or maybe you even feel trapped. You know, there's this crazy carousel we can get on. <laughs> and we drop a quarter in the change thing every time we go by. And even though we want to get off, we're on this crazy carousel. It's a pattern and a cycle that can lead to what we call a stronghold, a stronghold. In the Greek, the word for stronghold in the Bible is used interchangeably with fortress or prison, prison. And we go round and round and round and as we do, we are fortifying walls around us that eventually can become a prison. Let me give you an example. Maybe you feel down, just feel down. It's kinda gray and rainy outside. I think I'm gonna go listen to sad music. You just feel down. Well, that cycle and just tolerating that and not confronting it and asking God to heal it can turn into discouragement. It's a little deeper. Discouragement can turn into depression and before you know it, depression builds a prison around us with no windows or doors. And maybe we begin to self-harm, or maybe we begin to think really dark thoughts because we can't see any way out. That is a prison. A prison is designed to keep everyone out from coming in and keep the person on the inside from being able to come out. Can't get out. Can't climb my way out. Like, how did I get in here? Well, it started way back at feeling down and listening to sad music. (laughs) We all encounter feeling down, but if we fill it with illegitimate needs, we're going to get ourselves in trouble. It kickstarts a cycle in our life. So the very thing that we are trying to prevent happening or avoid feeling ends up chaining us inside of a prison and building a wall that we can't get out of. We can't get out of it. We're stuck. And just like the pimple popper people, pimple popper people, we have have to have help. We have to come to a place where we're like, I can't do this anymore. I am so sick of going round and round and round and round. Have you ever said, I'm sick and tired of feeling sick and tired? I've said that. My mom used to say that, and I would laugh because I was young and didn't understand it, but do you ever get sick and tired or just feeling sick and tired? Or just look in the mirror and think, I'm just so tired of all of it, like what am I doing? That's when we find ourselves in unhealthy cycles and patterns that lead us down a path that becomes to get really well-worn. We're very used to walking down this path and drawing water from a broken cistern when actually the living water wants to come in and fill the thirst, the soul thirst. Remember, it's not wrong to be thirsty. It's how we fill it that will make us or break us. But when Jesus comes on the scene, Everything changes when Jesus walks into the room, when he walks into the picture, into the story. Don't you love how he writes himself into people's stories? He just like steps in. He just steps in. Now, often he has a question, but he always says, I love you. Can I, can I see that pain? Can, can we reveal it so I can heal it? Can I show you your cycles? in your unhealthy patterns so I can break in and show you a different way. He's asking us today, do you wanna be healed? You know, Jesus is always listening for his kids' cries for help. He wants nothing more than to reach down and rescue us from that prison and fix things for us, show us to get healing read Psalm 40 with me I waited patiently for the Lord to help me and he turned to me and he heard my cry and he lifted me out of the pit of despair out of the mud out of the mire he set my feet on solid ground not shaky ground But when He pulls me out, He's created a smooth, steady place for me to stand. He placed my feet on solid ground. And not only that, but He is steadying me. I haven't used my legs in a while, right? They've been lame. They're atrophied. But He steadies me as I walk along. So He pulls us out. He puts us on solid ground. And He steadies me. But not only that, he has put a new song in my heart, a new song, a hymn of praise to my God. If we will allow him to reveal the pain, to heal the pain, those God made spaces of our soul thirst, he will fill it with a new song. He can change our lives if we will allow him to intersect. Two things, the woman at the well and the man at the pool of Bethesda, they were both at water. They were both at bodies of water, water, which is interesting to me. But they each did something that was unique. The woman, she went every day, every day, every day, every day, filling her bucket with water. Every Every day, every day, every day, leaving empty, leaving empty, leaving empty. And when Jesus comes on the scene and says, just ask me, I have living water and she gets healed, she leaves her bucket. She leaves it. The Bible says she just leaves it and runs to town to tell everybody, look what Jesus has done, this man is amazing, he knows everything about me. You have to come see this Jesus. She did not carry this with her. This is a symbol of her leaving behind the familiar cycle and pattern and saying, I have a new life now, I'm leaving it. And I have a new life because Jesus intersected a life. The man at the pool, Jesus said, take your bed, get up and walk. Same thing. You know he didn't hang around the colonnades at Bethesda. <laughs> Why would he want to be there anymore? He took up his bed and he walked and he went into a new future, into a new future. He changed what he had been doing, he vacated the space and he moved forward in life. They let go of their familiar, the bucket and the pool. They left it and allowed Jesus to reveal their pain and get in there and heal it. So we're gonna take just a moment before we close to be still before the Lord. Holy Spirit is here with us He knows how to do surgery. He knows how to to get down in the nitty gritty with us. And if we are willing to say, I'm not going to tolerate this anymore. Because he can't heal what we're still willing to tolerate. He wants to get down in the nitty gritty. He's not threatened by our mess or by our cycles or by our choices or by the prison we may find ourselves in. You know, I was busy, 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 busy. found myself in a prison, I couldn't get out. But he is on the scene today. Jesus has walked on the scene today and he is here with us and he wants to minister to us. So we're just gonna take a few moments before we close out and go our separate ways. Please don't let these moments pass because he's asking us a question. Do you want to be healed? He's not saying be healed. He's saying, do you wanna be healed? It begs an answer. So we're gonna take just a few moments and if you would, just in this moment, just agree with me as I begin to pray and we invite God to have his way with us. Father, Please set me free from unhealthy patterns. Would you show me where I have been filling my thirst the wrong way? Would you show me so I can repent of it, so I can come to you and say, I'm sorry, I've been doing it wrong. And just like the song says, it's so much better your way. I wanna do it your way. I wanna let go of people and things that I've allowed to sit on the throne of my heart and become idols. I repent of idolatry in my life and not working hard to keep you in the first place as captain of my ship. Would you show me if I have any idols? Jesus, I want to let you into the tender places, the things that I've stuffed down or set to the side or ignored or tolerated. Would you come in right now, Holy Spirit? And just put your finger on what you want to talk about today. You're so tender and you're so patient and you're so desirous to be healed that you will sit with us in these moments. I want to be rescued from the prison that I have built unknowingly, not meaning to But because I've been doing it wrong, I find myself not able to get out. I'm stuck and I need help. I'm exhausted. I've been running in circles and I need to be rescued. So with me in this moment, just agree, we repent of the sin of forsaking the real living water and forming man-made cisterns that are broken. We repent of idolatry. And we repent for allowing walls to be built that cause me to be separate and isolated. Jesus, we want to be healed. And we want you to reveal. We draw close to you in these moments, God. Right now, Pastor Jeremy's just going to sing a prayer over us. Please just remain seated. And again, don't rush past this moment. If you don't know what to do or how to react, you can make your chair, your altar. You can come up and kneel. You can just close your eyes. But give God just these few moments at least to speak to our hearts, amen.